Welcome in to Words with Wallace. I'm your host, Nick Wallace, coming at you. It is Wednesday, May 10th. Uh, we're about 24 hours out from one of the worst Celtics losses. Uh, certainly in recent memory here, has the Celtics in a brutal spot down 3-2 to the Philadelphia 76ers. So you know, uh, had to bring in my guy, RJ Rosazza. It's an, an emergency situation. He was going to come on either way, but frankly, I, I couldn't be more pleased to have him on to help me reconcile uh, what the hell we just watched last night, uh, where the Celtics go from here, but let's kick it over to RJ. RJ, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on again. I feel like people are going to, like you said, I was planning to come on last week, but I feel like people are going to start uh, predicting things that I'm just going to come on every time the Celtics lose because it's becoming a little bit of a tradition now. Uh, yeah, like I just said to you, when they lost on Sunday and I was you know, going to be coming on after game five, I said... You know, it's not, it isn't going to work out for me. It's going to be, they're going to come off of a win. I, as negative as I am, was not expecting that game last night. I just think that, you know, the Celtics are in a brutal spot here. I felt like we, you know, it, it started off with them kind of playing with their food against the Hawks. And, um, I mean, they certainly were, were my title pick heading into this, this year's postseason. Um, so it was frustrating to see them play with their food. But, you know, Philadelphia is a team that we've owned historically over the past decade. And, you know, obviously they had their ups and downs and um, felt like they lost a couple close ones to Philadelphia. But uh, it felt like, you know, game five or game five at home was one that the Celtics had to have. Um, and so I just wanted to start things off. What is what is the Celtics panic meter right now? We're going to go one one to ten. Um, and obviously we'll dive into what's gone wrong to get to this point. But, you know, again, we're one game out from game six. The Celtics have to win the next two in a row to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. What what is your panic meter right now on a scale of one to ten? I'm at like I want to say a seven. I you think they were in this spot last year, they came through, so that gives me a little bit more optimism. So I'm as kind of as panicked as I can be, with also some comfort with what happened last year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Tomorrow night obviously is a must win. Um. It was. It's already the series. They they uh, took game one. I felt like game one they kind of took the Sixers lightly. I thought that these issues were issues we were going to leave in the regular season. They played with their food with Atlanta, and then they played with their food again in game one. They're at home. They didn't have Embiid, and now they're paying the price. The series should have never been two two to begin with, and now they're paying the price. I think you made a great point there because the frustrating thing for me is that you know I feel like the. You know, as bad as Game 5 was, that, that was an ass-whooping, right? I mean, I can sit there and um, be frustrated with different things from a coaching perspective, from a couple of our guys not playing at the level we're accustomed to seeing, and, and we'll get into that a little bit. But the frustrating thing for me was that it just made the previous losses, like you said, in Game 1 and then also Game 4, even more frustrating. Because those were games that were back and forth. You know, the only two decisive games uh, of the series were the ones where we beat Philly's ass in Games 2 and 3, right? Game one, like you said, you know, no Embiid playing at home. Uh, that was a gift, right? It was a gift that the fact that, again, Philly took care of business. They swept the Nets, or excuse me, the Nets. Um, and they had all this rest where I didn't think there was any chance that Embiid was going to miss any time in the Celtics series. He certainly doesn't look hobbled by any means. He's been fantastic in this series against us. So the fact that we got a game without him and it took James Harden having literally the best game of his playoff career in game one to beat us was frustrating, right? But even then, you know. That's the thing. They came out, they started playing lazy defense to start the game, and when you let a guy that good get going, 
they flipped the switch way too late in that game and started playing defense. And at that point, the Sixers and Harden were rolling. Yeah, and I I thought that there was no chance that we ended up blowing game one just because I was like, ah, oh, this is cute. You know, Harden's doing his thing. and uh, But, you know, we're still so much more talented. Like, we'll be able to – because, you know, at least we were doing whatever we needed to do on the offensive end in that game, right? Like, we didn't just – nobody was stopping anybody, and it was kind of breaking even. But then it all it takes is, you know, Brogdon having a total uncharacteristic play and just chucking it to the other team. And, um, you know, late game execution time and time again. Um, you know, again, we were able to right the ship a little bit in games two and three. But – for me, it was even more. Fr- I haven't got your thoughts about this because we didn't, you know, talk much after Game Four. But I feel like the worst loss we've had was was Game Four. I wanted to kind of kick it over to you and get your thoughts on how the last couple possessions of Game Four, uh, you know, finished out for the Celtics. It's you don't like. I get that Marcus Smart was open in both those plays, but I mean, I if you want, I can, you know, this can turn into me attacking the coach because well, let's get into it. No- there's no coach in the NBA who in that situation at the end of overtime with two timeouts left does not take a timeout. There's no reason behind that. And I don't think it's because he doesn't know what he's doing or like he's getting lost in the moment. I actually think he thinks that's what he should do there because he's smart. he thinks he's a guy that he's smarter than everybody else, which to me is almost just as scary. If in year one he's already this arrogant and full of himself that he thinks that he – I don't want to cross sports – but to compare him to somebody else in this city, who's the coach in the city that thinks he's smarter than everybody else, has all the answers to the test? Bill Belichick. This guy has a little bit of Bill Belichick in him with a, about zero rings, which is super scary. You can see it, too, with the way they talk to the media. And it, and then I think in the post game he said something like, oh, well, you know, that was the play we were going to run. Well, they ran out of time, and one of the reasons you call a timeout is to speed things up and set things up so you have enough time. I mean, we can dive more into the future of him, but that's was my I I turned Game Four off viciously mad about that because I thought that they again they were up like what half a dozen points at one like like two or so minutes left they again just finished the job and and the frustrating thing for me is just that you know we're a team with two guys that that you know scored twenty five points plus per game in the regular season all NBA teams got dropped today we have a first team player and a second team player to nobody's surprise. You know, two of the best isolation scorers in the entire NBA. And yet, why as fans, when we're sitting there watching the game, I don't know about you, I have zero confidence going into those situations where we're down a basket. Or even if it's tied, you know, in a late game situation that we're going to have an open look and and create a shot when it, it doesn't take rocket science. We don't even need to necessarily scheme up something brilliant to get one of these guys a bucket because we really do have those guys that talented. Yet... Again, the the play seems to find the the ball in the hands of Marcus Smart, which is puzzling at times. And just to kind of get back to what you were saying on Game 4, I disagree with a part of it, and then I also agree with you in that, look, the, you know, the pushback, and, and a lot of people have analyzed the, the lack of timeouts at the end of Game 4. Again, in that situation, just to bring everybody back, you know, we were up two points. You know, Jalen Brown decides to double-team Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, obviously he had Tatum on him in the post, so... Uh, you, you would assume that's an easy basket for Embiid, but I'm sitting there like, hey, Embiid hasn't scored at all in the in the fourth quarter. He was terrible. I mean, he still got his 30-something points in that game because he was awesome early on, but we did a really great job on him in the second half. But the killer was that, you know, Jalen doubled off the short side corner, leaving Harden, who was, again, in the midst of the second best playoff game he's ever had in his career, uh, and wide open for three. Harden, you know, Embiid makes the easy read, kicks it out to Harden. Harden hits a three, and now we're down one. 
And in that situation, I think you're absolutely right. I think most coaches call timeout. And what some other people pointed out, and I was kind of thinking about this as well, it's like, hey, maybe the reason Missoula didn't call timeout right away was because Philadelphia had Maxie and Harden on the court, you know, two pretty poor defenders. You know, obviously a timeout, it's a lot of things, and it's usually to the offense's advantage in a late-game situation, but... You know, the defense gets a timeout too, right? Like, they're able to make substitutions. They can get their five best defenders on the court. I can't imagine that Harden and Maxie would be out there in that situation. So maybe that's what Missoula's thinking. And, hey, maybe we give them some credit. Because, again, like we said, it doesn't. it's not rocket science for Tatum and Brown to hunt into a switch into one of those two guys, you know, get an isolation look. But... Yeah, with the Brown thing, just stay home. Very, you know, worst comes to worst. And B makes a shot, you go to overtime. And you have a fresh <laughs> Double overtime, but yeah. Double overtime. Yeah. But uh, no, I just think on the other end, I get, you know, saying, you know, maybe let things play out so the defense can't make these substitutions. But at the same time, he's been doing this all year with not calling timeouts and it hasn't worked. So at some point, you got to realize this isn't going well. I need to just, it seems like every time at the end of these games, they're so flustered trying to get a good look and it, yep. it always ends up I feel like Tatum taking a terrible fade away where someone's draped all over him and and for me again like you know if he wants to not call it right away that's fine and see what the offense is getting into and progresses and maybe you even get like a transition look or something like that whatever but that wasn't the case the Celtics looked completely confused out there like Tatum's holding the ball on his hip with five seconds left in the game he hasn't even started the action to get toward the basket all we need is you know, one point to tie, two points to win. It doesn't matter what look we get. And I don't understand why in our mind do we have to wait for the perfect time to shoot the ball as the, as the clock expires when we're down one. We're the ones with the urgency. You know, at that point is when you call timeout. When your star player is holding the ball on his hip with, you know, five, you know, seven, six, five seconds left at the top of the key. And he hasn't, at, at borderline at half court, I should say, and hasn't even started the action yet. Even then, that's an opportunity to call timeout. Like, it's not all black and white, but at some point you need to call a timeout to get your team a good look, um, whether you have a play in mind or not. That's why you have 12 assistants, but it's it's more than well, that. Actually, on that point, you said the assistants. I will give him not a pass, but they lost Stoudemire halfway through the year. Yep. And they lost... Uh, will the, Hardy. The guy I think... You know, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Head coach of the Jazz now. This, yep. So they gave him this contract extension, which we talked about when I was on a couple months ago. I thought maybe, you know, maybe they're giving it to him just to show the guys in the locker room, like, this is your guy going forward. Other than that, there was no reason to give him a contract extension in February. If they were to go to win the entire thing this year, it's not like he's going to get up and walk and go coach a different team. That's never going to happen. And that just brings me back to, it's like the whole, so reactive and victims of the moment, the whole Celtics experience where like, this guy's entitled to a four-year deal because he's had four good months of basketball coaching a team that was in the NBA championship last year. Why not play things out? I guarantee you if the, he wasn't under contract right now, if they lose this series, he will not be back next year. Yeah. But now he will be back because he's under a four-year deal. And just like when Stevens left, he was under contract, and they moved him to the front office because they didn't just want to let him go, and then they're still paying him while he's under contract. Uh, I don't get it. I think... I don't know. I, like with, I don't understand. I don't think either. Wick's a bad owner, but I, I really just I think that decision was just I don't get the the positives to it. And I think that's a great point because you know we're sitting here, and I think the reason that we both jumped to coaching, and I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything like that, is 
I think in terms of like, you know, the individual performances from our guys, like, you know, obviously it's, you know, it, it's variable, right? Like it's, it's game to game. It's, it's playoffs are difficult. Guys are going to have good games. Guys are going to have bad games, but we know for a fact, we're a better team than what we were last year. And we also, I'm not seeing anybody like fall apart. We're not having a Jordan pool esque meltdown from anybody on our team. Like sure. The production from Derek white, this series compared to last series is noticeable in my opinion. Sure. I would like to see a little bit more impact from Rob Williams in the minutes that he does play. I know his minutes are reduced from what we had seen from him uh, during last year's postseason run, but we have the same guys, if not more guys, because Brogdon's been a bright spot, right? And so it's easy for us to like, you know, again, we've talked, we've both been honest about evaluating coaching, especially in the NBA. It's difficult, right? It's they're hard conversations to have. But when you watch bad coaching, and especially in the playoffs, even if you can't exactly put your finger on what needs to go, you know, differently, you can identify that it is bad coaching that's causing the problem. And and I think that we can both agree on that because we know how talented this team is. Yeah, it's so hard for coaching in the NBA to lose you games. But if you're not, not using your timeouts in the right situations, can lose you games. It, like You could make the argument that they lost game four because of the coach. Obviously, it's not all him. Like you said, Brown went off of Harden, tried to help with Embiid. That's not really the coach's problem. Uh, yeah, you, you brought up Robert Williams. It's... He's been, let's be honest, he's been absolutely, other than the fact that him being active means that we don't have to watch Luke Cornett play basketball, he's been borderline useless all series. And this is a guy that we hear all regular season, oh, got to make sure he's healthy come playoff time. What's it matter? Because he's not doing anything to impact the series. He can't come in, he can't guard and beat. He either gets beat or gets himself in foul trouble. He can't shoot the basketball, so he doesn't work in with the offense. I don't see the upside with this guy at all. All the fanboys like, oh, Time Lord, the last four years, like this hype train. The hype train is dead. It's done. He's either not going to be healthy or when he is healthy, he's not going to be good enough for your basketball team. Well, I think that's the difference is that last year he he was good enough for our basketball team. He was like, you know, he was obviously banged up even throughout the playoff run. He would like basically played what felt like every other game during those. I, I think he was out for most of the Bucks series too, which I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but either way, like, you know, you felt his impact on the defensive end. And again, just again, to, to compare and contrast what we saw from last year, you know, last year we were everybody's title pick. You know, we were the nerds title pick because we had this anal- like basically a, a statistical anomaly of a defense. Like it was, it was that off the radar good defensively as a team. Um, that everybody was picking us to win because we were just holding teams to an insanely poor offensive showings each and every night, whether it was in the regular season or throughout the first couple rounds. Like, that, that's gone. We're getting by on our offense. I think even as a, of a couple games ago or earlier this week, we were ranked as the best offense in the playoffs, which is great, and that makes sense. But, I, I like, we can't have both. We, we still have the same personnel. You know, it's not like we're, we've slipped in a poor defender uh, into our into our rotation that is can be hunted. Like, that's not the case at all. Uh, so I just, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, th- for whatever reason, it maybe it is a Rob thing and it mostly falls on his shoulders. But again, I can't help but feel like there's something schematic about what we're doing. And it, you know, maybe it's a lack of injust- adjustments. But to me, I feel like, you know, the hard or, it, or it could it, just be an intensity issue, especially yeah. coming out the gate. And the biggest player, if we're not going to keep killing the coach, biggest player I have an issue with is Tatum. And I think we've heard the saying before, sometimes a team takes form of like their best player. And when he comes out the gate like he did last night, and he's like 0 points or 0 for 6, 0 for 7 from the field to start, like he's got to get going early because it's killing them. They were, they were behind all last night. 
And when they got it, it's, it's too late. And then my issue is then Brown gets hot. And then they try to, like, force Tatum, which I get. He's the best player. you got to get him going. And then Brown has no impact the rest of the game. This has happened now two or three times this series. And that's a – game four felt like to me that – it, like in crunch time, they're like trying to run these screens, and it just felt so fl- clustered, trying to get the ball to Tatum, and Brown's just sitting there doing nothing, borderline like the entire, like, yeah. the entire second half, and uh, like and I like last time when I was on, I was kind of like you know trolling about like Tatum and his kid. <laughs> I really don't like the whole th- having his son in the locker room thing, and he's out there playing patty cake with his kid before these games. Maybe that's why he's off to a slow start because he's out there playing babysitter. The kid should be in bed. Like it- it's not, and I'm not saying it to troll. It's it's a fact. Like this is this is it. This is the playoffs now. Enough of the diddly daddling around with your kid before the game, where he's messing around with Grant Williams. Like enough. You know, I didn't, I didn't uh, have a, a huge Deuce Tatum opinion, and and weaving him in on my Celtics blame pie for where we're at. You know, he he didn't have a sliver, but I think you do raise an interesting point. I mean, I'll give you some credit in just that. You know, the intent. You're right. Like he he came out the gate slow. There's a, a mindset you have to go in for. You know, what is it? Zero dark thirty mode, as as LeBron yeah. calls it. He cuts himself off from social media. I don't know if he still does that shit or what. But I, I don't I mean, know how I'm, you feel about last like comparing. Like last postseason and then this postseason, like or in both regular seasons, I in the regular season I'm like Tatum's way better than Brown, and then playoff time Brown closes the gap, and I'm just like, is Tatum that much better? Because clearly Brown's got the killer instinct. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the frustrating thing is like, look, I could I could honestly care less about a, a debate. Like I, I'm with you and I see that, but I don't even care about debates like that. I think the frustrating thing is like, you know, we. And again, I think it comes back into, you know, when we when we see our offense go stagnant and or you see a guy like Brown who has had a huge quarter early on in some of these games and, and then just kind of disappears in the fourth quarter. Like, it's not because he's playing poorly. It's just because for whatever, in the ebbs and flows of the offense, we're not scheming him up to get any looks. And I think that's kind of the frustrating thing. It's like, you know, it's on your point guard. It's on this. It's on that. But it's also on your coach to be like, all right, let's get let's get Jalen some sugar. Let's keep him in the action. Or like, let's just see more action with the both of them together. You know, yeah, especially exactly. on these we late gotta game bo- plays. We got to get them both going at the same time. Exactly. And-, and it never feels like, obviously, at the end of every game, Tatum's going to get his 25. Jalen's going to get yeah. his 25. If you look at the box scores, it looks fine. But to the eye test, it's never like, wow, look at this. Look at this run where like they just have no answer. Like what? Like they they don't have two good perimeter defenders. They barely have one. Like. It's it's just really frustrating to see where we were at last year to where we are now and just the coaching discrepancies and, yeah. and it, it's hard for me to not point the finger at the coach because I just I know that I trust and we've seen this personnel deliver for us. One of the adjustments that I would like to make before Game Six is don't let the hot hand get cold. If if the hot hand gets cold by shooting the basketball and he just starts missing shots, but don't let a guy just like you're just saying don't let a guy just cool off. Because he's not getting the ball, which has been happening. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things I'd like to see changed uh, in Game Six. And honestly, after watching last game in Horford, just what was he zero for seven from three? Yep. I would be quicker to pull the trigger if he's not making his shots. Try and mix something up. Whether you go smaller, you try and get some one of these Sam Hauser guys, Peyton Pritchard guy going. Sometimes you need that in a series. You need that like one like. Uh, the Lakers got it from what Walker? Yeah, a couple nights ago. Sometimes you just need a random, Walker, yeah. random spark from the bench. And if Horford's not making his threes, 
let's be honest, he can play as good as defense as he wants on Embiid. I, at this rate, I'm like, no one's going to stop him. It's yeah. everybody else that we got to worry about. Yeah, I mean, the only good positive thing I can say about that, uh, of what I've seen from Missoula in this series in particular, is, you know, he's been... He hasn't gone to the double big lineup as much just because of the Philly matchup, which I appreciate. Um, and I think that that has been a positive. But, like, yeah, if, if Rob isn't hitting it or if, if Al isn't hitting his shots, I feel like that could have been a bigger Rob Williams game because at least he's a better lob threat. At least he's going to, you know, move a little bit quicker. Maybe in the isolation situation in Embiid, he's not going to be able to, you know, hold up as well. But as a rim protector, I think it'll be better. And I think it's less of just, you know, whatever body is on Embiid and more of a schematic approach of how we're, you know, going to be blitzing the pick and roll off of Harden and B because I just feel like that's all that's what they go to right it's not it, they're it, you know simple works in the NBA when you have a player you know two players as good as Harden and Embiid uh, and it's it's telling that Harden has had zero playoff success in his entire career and he gets matched up against a team with you know three guards that were in the all defensive team conversation and we can't seem to slow him down um, there obviously has to be something uh, and and real quick that I, I just wanted to pivot to you know not to I know we've been, you know, pretty heavy on the coaching talk here, but it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I feel like, you know, Brad Stevens did his job from a general manager perspective. I felt like we were missing, you know, last year, you were we were missing a, a backup point guard. We were missing somebody to be a more traditional point guard and somebody that could slow the offense down, get some other people involved, just another person to have in the guard rotation. And I like Peyton Pritchard a lot, but also somebody that can hold up on the defensive end a little bit better. And we went out and we got that guy. We got that guy in Malcolm Brogdon for scraps. And he's been healthy and amazing all year long. And as a roster, I feel like we're more complete than every other team. And I feel like the only area where it's been a disservice for our team that we fall short is just the coaching. It's just like we have all this, you know, we're not even that young of a team anymore. We're a team that has played in a lot of playoff games together. And the only person that's new to this shit is our coach. And it's just, that feels like, like the puzzle piece that is missing that's just hanging over our heads. And I don't know if you're getting the same feeling well, watching and those that's games. The, but... And like we talked about the extension, that's now the puzzle piece you might be stuck with for the next couple of seasons because they decided to give a guy a contract in February. Yeah. And that's the, that's the part that, I don't want to say upset, but that's the part that makes me worried for the future. And I yeah. think he'll get better because he'll figure stuff out. Sure. But, I mean, there's – man, I don't know what other coaches are out there. We don't have to get into that. But, I mean, I'm sure there's a better coach you could find that's out there. Nick Nurse yeah. is out there. I don't know if he would fit into what the Celtics want to do, but it's going to be Missoula next year, so it doesn't really matter what happens in this series when it comes to that. Yeah, and it's like I get that the Celtics were forced into the Missoula decision before the season because of, you know, the unique circumstance that we still don't know about, as you know, all the shit that happened with Ime. And I, now, I was now actually somehow... thinking this. Yeah. I would not be overly shocked if they lose this series and you start to hear trickles of what actually happened with Adoka that starts getting leaked out by the team because they want to make themselves look better for the whole Missoula hiring. Just saying. I, I, yeah. wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be shocked because we really don't know. We know there was something going on, obviously, with a female part of the organization, but we don't know. And apparently people have said that there's way more beyond that. When we don't have a, And there's people in the media that don't want to talk about it probably because yeah. they don't want to lose trust with the organization. So it'll come out eventually. I just don't know. It probably won't be anytime soon. I mean, I can't sit here and say the Rockets are the gold standard of an NBA team, you know, organization standpoint, but it, I just feel like if stuff was going to come out, it would have come out by now because he's already been hired to a job. Now, you know, maybe that was just the Rockets just gobbling up a chance to, to get a guy that they knew was a damn good basketball coach and really young as well. Um, 
So, you know, hopefully that works out for them. But I, I you know, maybe we disagree on that because I just, I hope we get clarity. I'd love to figure it out because it's haunting me now more than ever, you know, watching what we're going through. But again, like, I understand why we rushed in the decision to hire him before the season, but the extension's looking really bad. And, you know, I understand that. And that was not forced, right? He wasn't going anywhere. Like, we weren't worried about someone no. vulturing him off in the offseason, even when the Celtics were sitting there as, as the one seed for the majority of the regular season. But... As we've learned early on here, like even against Atlanta, it was pretty apparent. Um, you know, coaching in, the, in basketball in the, the regular season versus the playoffs is night and day. It is literally completely different because, you know, the regular th- season, that, that shit's a marathon, right? It's like, all right, we got Giannis tonight, and then we're going West Coast trip next week, and we got, you know, Braun on Saturday, we got Steph on Monday, we got Sabonis on Thursday. Like, that's the shit that can happen when you're in the regular season. You're, you're re- reviewing and game planning for guys on a plane. Like, you're not even going to practice where, you know, you see the same team a minimum of four times in a row. That That is the coaching. That's the real element of it. That is a totally different type of in-game management and adjustments that win and lose series. And right now, it's just really frustrating to see a team that's so complete, you know, feel like they're not reaching their apex because of the coach. And so with that, I had a question for you. Uh, do you think, you know, people, people like to talk about windows in the NBA and how long they last. And for a while now, the Celtics have had the luxury of just being like, well, our two guys are this age. Our two guys are this age. Like, we're young. You know, we have this young core. We have the two wings that everyone wants to build around. Do you feel like this is the best chance the Celtics will have to win a title with this core in this year? So, if you asked me that this morning when we didn't know what was going on with the All-NBA selections, we're now Brown, second team. He's eligible for the Supermax. I lean no, just because if you can keep Tatum and Brown together, team could get better. There could be other opportunities. That being said, in a vacuum, right now, looking at who else is out there, and I get it, the Heat are built for the playoffs, but they're still shorthanded. Then you have home court over them. At some point, that is going to catch up to them. It might not be against a trash team like the Knicks. The Knicks are a little trashy. Uh, but, yeah, and then I think you get to the West. I mean, you get into the finals. You know, you're going to run into a good team. But the path to get there – looks way easier than it did last season. And I just, to go down to Philadelphia would just be, well, do, do you get any comfort that Philadelphia has choked in the past? Or do you feel like you're seeing a different Philly team? Like this is not the same Philadelphia team that something's switched in them, whether it's, you know, PJ Tucker getting an Embiid's head, or do you, do you still take comfort in that? that being yeah. Choker? I mean, that's a great question. I, I think that this is the best version of Philly that we've seen. I just don't, think it's marginally better there's still such a big talent discrepancy like they still have like you said pj tucker does not scare me in any way shape or form i like tobias harris stinks yeah i I mean he's fine like he's he's literally fine you know you you don't those are two guys that you literally like especially with pj tucker i mean that guy gets a zero in the box score in the points category more often than not i understand that that's not by any means his primary responsibility but like they're still trying to, like, figure that fifth spot out, as many teams are. Like, again, I've, I feel like I've talked about this every episode the past, you know, 10 episodes. But, like, you know, Phoenix can't figure out their fifth spot. Cleveland couldn't figure out their fifth spot. Like, Philly can't figure out their fifth spot. Like, Golden State, it tinkers with it. Like, it's hard. Like, we're, like, we can't figure out our fifth spot sometimes because we're, like, who who's more deserving of it? But no matter who Coach Missoula lands on, even if it's a guy like Marcus Smart having a bad game, it's, like, Shit, that's still Marcus Smart. That's a guy that's been in a bunch of playoff games. Like, we really can't go wrong. Like, we are we have so much more talent than this Philadelphia team has. And I think, in general, if we were 
maximizing our athleticism and and our how talented we have on how talented we are on offense with Tatum and Brown like I just feel like it should be a, a really poor matchup for Philly too because I feel like a good coaching staff would be able to hunt guys like Harden and Maxi like easy night and well, day. That's get the them thing. In the switch. They just can't, these next two games are just one game depending on what happens tomorrow night. They cannot let Harden get going like the way he has. I yeah. believe that just Embiid is not going to beat them. They still have the offensive firepower. Even if Embiid goes and drops forty, I still think the Celtics have the firepower to go win the game. Yeah, but cannot absolutely. have Harden go put up even. I don't mean what do you have like. Did he even have 20 points last game? But he was doing everything, you know, yeah. rebounds, assists. They just can't let Harden – Harden has a lot of, like, he's got some laziness in him. We've seen where he just kind of folds. Like, it's still in him. they got to bring it out of him. Because right now he's playing, like, he's playing yeah. like MVP Harden. they got to bring that inner kind of, like, eh, I don't know. they got to bring that out of him. Well, you don't even have to go that far back. Go back to games two and three. He was ass. Yeah, he was exactly. a two pack of ass. He he looked like Ben Simmons. He was scared. He was getting to the. He was yeah, like yep. what, like one of fourteen at one point. He was getting to the hoop. He passed up a layup. I was like, that dude passed up a layup when a couple years ago he was averaging thirty six points a game. Like yeah. mentally, he's not there. And you're right because Harden is a guy like a similar to Anthony Davis in that obviously uber talented like MVP level talent. But like if you get on them early and and slow them down, I can't picture. Harden going 0 of 5 to start the game, and then like the announcers time out after, like, man, but James Harden persevered and he turned it around in the third quarter. You're not gonna hear that shit because that's not the type of player that Harden yeah. is. He's it's very obvious to watch his body language and his effort and his energy. There's a perfect correlation to all that and how many times he's scoring the ball. And so we've gotten three good games of Harden, and Harden has won all three. You're absolutely right. Embiid is gonna get his 25, 30 points minimum. Like he's getting that. And, and that's fine because we're not going to be able to stop that guy. He's impossible to stop. But you're absolutely right. I think that that stopping Harden is the absolute key before game six. And so so I, to put the cherry on the conversation, do they get yeah. do they get the job? To, like, what, how do you think this plays out? These not, not to put you on the spot. No, I mean, you touched upon this in the in the opening. And it was a really good point. And I did some research on this because I was thinking about like, it, it just it feels so much worse, but like, hey, we have been here before, literally last year, right? Let, let's just take everyone back to a year ago against the Bucks. We were down three two. Game five was an awful loss in a totally different way, right? That was in a totally awful loss, if you remember. Uh, the Celtics blew a six point lead with like a minute forty left, um, including like Giannis bricking a free throw and Bobby Portis getting the offensive rebound, putting it back in. Uh, really, really bad loss, and the team was able to respond. Tatum went nuclear, had the easily the best game of his career, especially given the circumstance in Game 6. He scored 46 points. Him and Giannis had that duel. He fit, Giannis finished with 44. And then, of course, in Game 7, the Celtics ended up taking care of business, pretty much blowing out the Bucks. Uh, in large part because Grant Williams hit like seven or eight threes. That shit was nuts. Yeah, that's, that's why I just think it's so important, home court, if you have home court in Game 7. I personally don't think Philly is going to beat them three times in a row. I don't. I, yeah. I still think the Celtics sneak through this series somehow. They win tomorrow night. Anything can happen in a game seven. You're back at the Garden. You can't lose. What would that be? Three out of four at the Garden? Yeah. That would Five, be bad. seven, and one? That would yeah. be bad. That would be bad. No. I'll still I'm pick waiting. the Celtics when the series not very confident. Honest to God. People See, I can believe. be positive. Anybody says I'm always negative, clip this. <laughs> I might have to do it. I might have to do it just to help out your rep. I wasn't ready for that because I was expecting to have to be the the foil 
uh, and and talk about how I still think the Celtics win. Maybe I'll be the negative one, man. I don't know. I mean, I I think that I think it's genuinely fifty fifty because I'll tell you right now. I think if if we win in Game Six, I think we're winning seven. I don't I don't see us losing at home in Game Seven, like you were saying. But I think tomorrow night is going to tell us all we need to know, obviously. And I think. I just, I just pray to God we get out to a good start, man. Because if it ends up being in a late game situation and it ends up being close late, I don't have any reason to believe our execution is going to be any better than what we've seen in the previous games. If we're going to beat them, we're going to beat them in the first, in the first half of that game. Um, and yeah, it's a 50-50 shot. I mean, I picked the C's to win the title, so I might as well take them to, to win the series. So I'm not wrong about absolutely everything here. But um, I think that's a good, a good cherry on top of the Celtics talk here. So um with that let's just move on to the other eastern conference series because i think it's important uh to take a look at why we feel such angst about the celtics this year um because we got the heat and the knicks on the other side so miami's up 3-1 i wanted just to kick it over to you rj what do you you know what are your overall thoughts in this series what have you seen from these two teams here on the other side of the bracket well for one i feel like it's been a bad watch we kind of touch on this texting haven't enjoyed watching the series (laughs) in the slice the games haven't been close knicks aren't a fun watch can make the argument the Heat aren't a great watch either. Certainly, I not. just like I cannot believe that this Knicks team beat the Cavs in five games. I yep. think that's a huge detriment on Cleveland. Like, and I listened to the last episode. They can that doesn't mean they're dead in the water, but really bad look for them. Uh, I mean, right now as we're obviously recording during it, the Knicks are up eighteen, so it looks like the Knicks are going to force a game oh, six. Really? I think it's over in Miami in six. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say, but I think Mitchell Robinson looks like he's having a decent game tonight, but I felt like he's been just a stiff out there all series. Hasn't really done much. Uh, Randall. I mean, I've seen some clips on Randall just being so lazy. <laughs> like, he's – he. we talk about being, you know, kind of a bum in you and laziness with Harden. Uh, Randall has that too. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't – yeah, I think this Miami's going to take it in six. Yeah, I mean that's that's good insight. I don't even I kind of forgot that they were even on right now. I was planning on watching that back. But yeah, forks in the eyes definitely the worst, especially compared to these other series. Like we obviously have our team. You know, you get Steph versus LeBron, and then easily the most fun series to watch has been Denver Phoenix. I don't even think you can debate that in terms of like the quality of basketball you're seeing out of those teams. Um, but yeah, I mean I think I was pretty surprised about it too. Uh, it's obviously pretty interesting that it looks like New York's going to be able to pull out games. What is it, game five here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was pretty – I think you're right, too. I think it's the, – the biggest takeaway for me is just, you know, how did this Knicks team end up beating Cleveland? And it's – from what I've seen, obviously, I'm not basing it off of tonight's game, but the first four games, Miami has just looked like they've wanted it so much more. And that's pretty – and again, a guy like Randall, he's a he's been a low-effort, low-energy guy a lot of his career. I think that that's been a pretty common criticism of him. So that's not anything new. But, you know, the Knicks went out and they got energy guys and Josh Hart and – you know, I think Barrett plays with the passion a lot of the time. And I like a lot of the guys that they have on the team. Uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson, I, again, I talked about this on the pod before, but like he made his impact felt in ways that I was not prepared for whatsoever against Cleveland. Like every single rebound, even the ones he didn't get, he created so many opportunities on the offensive glass for that team that, you know, I think maybe I was just naive for thinking that he was going to have a huge impact. I picked the Knicks to win this series in seven games. Uh, and it really just came down to, if you remember that game that, you know, Miami played against Atlanta in the play-in, it's so funny to think about 
Miami had to get in through the second play-in game to even get to this point, and it looks like they're, you know, would be the first pick to go to the finals as, as we sit right now, or to the Eastern Conference finals as we sit right now. Um, but, like, they couldn't get a freaking rebound. And it, it, and what I've learned from watching that series is that good coaching, like truly elite coaching, fixes a lot of problems because they've been able to scheme. Like, you're right, Robinson looks like a stiff, and in a lot of ways he is. He's, he's just a rebounder and a lob threat, and that's literally all he's going to provide for you. And a good coach is, you know, able to work around that and, and scheme him off and pull him away from the basket so he's not as much of a force on the boards in ways that the Cavs clearly couldn't. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty, it's been pretty bad from, uh, from the next side of things. And I think, I just can't believe that we're sitting here, dude. And one of these teams is going to actually be in the Eastern conference finals. And I think that that's just the thing that's driving me nuts as a Celtics fan that, you know, again, is it, I, you're I think your chops, you're salivating at the mouth, seeing what's there, the gateway to get to the finals again, get back to where we were last year and make things yeah. right. And we have home but court you... the rest of the way. Even if we yeah. get to the finals, we have home court. It's like unbelievable. Like, it's just, it's, man, it's just, I can't, that's, I think the main reason why I have such a hard time watching that series is like, I want to get excited for the opportunity to play one of those teams. I'd obviously prefer it to be the Knicks, uh, just because we have a lot of history with Miami, as you know, and I'm not saying that would be an easy series by any means, but having the opportunity to play against the Heat that are really banged up, by the way, like the fact that the, the only game before tonight uh, that the Knicks were able to win is without Jimmy Butler is incredibly significant. Like that's, that's absolutely nuts, but um, do you think that, okay, let's just play this out real quick. Do you think there's a world where either of those teams, well, let's just assume it's the Heat. Let's say the Heat win this series. Do you think the Heat can make the finals? Do you think that they could beat either Boston or Philadelphia as they're currently constructed? I don't think they could beat the Celtics. I think they could maybe somehow beat the Sixers just because if you talk about guys that are like, like Butler's a dog, like he's built for the yeah. class and you have Embiid and Harden on the other side who are, kind of have some choke in them, kind of have some lazy in them. It could yep. be those two, cl you know, that type of clash. But I don't really give either team very much hope to go to, especially not the Knicks, uh, to make it through to the finals. And, yeah. God, if the New York Knicks made it to the NBA finals, I'll go watch the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you'd watch the ratings plummet for the finals if that was the case. People are watching a Tom Thibodeau coach team in the NBA finals. Um, no, I think I think you're right on with that. I think I kind of feel the same way as I'm sitting here and, and our team's down and needs to win the next two in a row to even get on. But I, I I feel the same way. I think the Celtics should be able to take care of business against the Heat. But it's it we know it's going to go at least six games, maybe probably seven. Like we, this is what pisses me off about the regular season. When you take games lightly, you drop in seeding. If they could have the one seed, they wouldn't even have to be dealing with Philly right now. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I mean, I don't know if Miami is that much of a, a, a lighter road, but I understand that for sure. Um, yeah, man, I think it's, I think it's tough. And I think it's funny that even after the Knicks, like in general, they're going to have a pretty successful season, assuming that they, you know, lose to Miami here. Like they still in relative to their expectations, they had a good year. You know, Brunson has been way better than people thought that contract looks amazing. You know, for them to beat a Cleveland team in the playoffs is a huge win, but even the Knicks are probably sitting there like, we lost to an eight seed. Like really? Like they had a chance that like this shit's just wide open. That's all it comes down to. So I think it's just frustrating all around, but uh, Miami's going to be a, a tough matchup uh, for whoever makes it out. And hopefully it's our Celtics, but uh, let's kick things over to Warriors versus Lakers. Again, obviously they play uh, a couple hours away from right now as we're recording this. So uh, as you guys see this, we might already be done with game five, but Lakers are up three, one. I'm pretty surprised about it. We haven't talked about this one much off air. You know, what are your big takeaways? Hey, you've been the on Lakers them for a long Warriors? time, ever since the deadline. 
You said that they maybe can make a run in the yeah. West, and they're making a run. I, I mean, I picked Golden State going into the series. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Warriors, but just thought that they would get the. I don't still the Lakers, not the best roster. Thought they'd have enough, but Steph's not getting any help. Um, I think Golden State's going to win tonight. This is literally exact deja vu of last series where in game five, the Lakers didn't show up in Memphis. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them not show up tonight in San Francisco and just get ready for game six. Really hope that's not a case because there's been a lot of round two games where I'm just like, can we get a good game here where the starters aren't getting pulled going into the fourth <laughs> quarter? Yeah. I'm staying up till 1230, one in the morning watching these games. Can I at least have a close finish, a relative close finish? I know. We've been, uh, we, and actually, I feel like you texted me that a, like almost a week ago now. And, and since then, at least we got a couple close ones. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, it was one of those being our Celtics game that didn't didn't go great in game four. And then uh, Denver Phoenix, which we'll talk to talk about in a sec, has delivered. But no, nah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I mean, I was critical of the Lakers in that same thing. Like, it just pisses me off in the games that they haven't shown up now. You know, obviously they had their what was it? Game two where they didn't really show up at all. And they're due. Um, but even then, you know, getting getting uh what they got both games in LA I was pretty surprised about that man I just felt like you know Golden State was going to find a way to win at least one of those but I they mean get home court back it's exactly yeah, what I and thought too after they won game two but I think I don't know if you have strong feelings about this but I know I do but the Jordan Poole collapse I mean I, I'm number one I'm front row I got a foam finger yeah. it says number Couldn't one happen hater. to a better person right uh, I I'm thrilled I feel zero percent bad for that guy. I can't believe, like, again, and I, I probably sound dumb because I think on the last podcast I said that he was bad in the playoffs last year, and I, and he's light years ahead of what he is this year. Like he was actually, you know, if you look at his stats, he was pretty good. I just feel like actually watching the games, he just had such an ability to do. Like his light was way greener than it should have been because the other dudes on the court with him, like Steph and Clay, giving him so much spacing, and literally him like just get like he really does play like he's dizzy out there. He's so erratic that I, it didn't feel sustainable as it was happening. And even against Boston, like he hit some crazy shots. Remember, I think he hit a half court shot on us. He banked yeah, in at yep. least like four threes throughout that series. I was like, what the hell is this? I but, feel like in last game, Kerr pulled the plug on him like yeah two minutes into 10... the second half when he came in he was like he no this is... i i don't see if he's not making his no making a three ball and he had two actually really good looks in the first quarter when he came in and i'm someone that actually took his over one and a half threes going into that <laughs> game and i'm like oh he's got two good looks to start and it was like then he just rotted on the bench in the second half but He's one of those guys that be careful and you're going to shoot your way to the Shanghai Sharks if you're not going to be able to do anything else. So. <laughs> well, that's the, th the other reason I don't feel bad for this guy. It's like people are out here saying they, they feel bad for the guy. I'm like, dude, he already got his money. He can't. Yeah, he I'd love to see him on the, the Yeah. He he and, th and that's the thing. It's like, look, I know the late, the, the Warriors are going to spend whatever they're going to spend, right? Like they, they their owner has no uh, – the salary cap doesn't exist for Golden State. Maybe it will after these CBA changes that we talked about a couple episodes ago. But – you know, they just have to like they're gonna pay whatever for him, and I I understand why you know you felt like he was worth paying, but they kind of paid him early. They didn't necessarily have to offer him that extension last year, and now that shit looks horrible. And I think it's just a matter of you know them having a, a struggle to match up against the size of the Lakers. But I think the most shocking thing for me, like I can't say I'm necessarily surprised about Poole's collapse, but just you know LeBron hasn't been like that great. And even Anthony Davis, I mean, he was on a, an incredibly consistent, literal every other game stretch of either being awesome or being yeah. just absolute shit. 
Um, I, I should say on offense, because on defense, he's been amazing no matter what. And that's that's what one thing we have to remember, especially in this series. His defense is probably even more valuable than his offense is. Um, but offensively, he checks out every other game, and he kind of well, beat that a little bit And that inconsistency is what separates himself from Jokic, Embiid, oh, yeah. Giannis. When he's playing to his full potential, he's almost, you could say, he's just as good as those guys. But if you're going to be invisible every other night, especially in the playoffs, it's as a betting guy, you could literally just look like, Oh, he went over tonight. Next game. I'm going to take his under. Yeah. And he He would, he would have gone over. I think he's gone under the last two games, but uh, I think he didn't play a lot in the fourth quarter or something. Their last win, it might've been game three, but no, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. He started really good last game and then he didn't produce as much on offense in the second half, but his presence was still felt. But yeah, man, I mean, I just don't, I think the Lakers, they really like, Rob Palenka was just in a coma there for basically after 2020, um, after they won their title until the trade deadline. He could, I don't think he made one good decision in that stretch, but he righted a lot of wrongs at the trade deadline um, for what he was able to acquire because it's a team that has flexibility. It's a team that, you know, makes sense. They have multiple options and they have a coach that's able to work through the options on their, like how many coaches even get, to Lonnie Walker to the point where you press the Lonnie Walker button and it actually works out. Like, like they have guys like Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura and, you know, Troy Brown Jr. That doesn't play that much and whatever. And even Malik Beasley that just collects dust on their bench. Like the fact that they even got to the point where Lonnie Walker was on the floor to have the moment. And it worked out in the fourth quarter where he, I think he had 15 points in the fourth quarter. Um, that's what we're referring to here. It's impressive. They got a coach that's pulling all the right strings and they got a run. I was, and I was down on him like the majority of the year, but I mean, he's getting, he's, and I, it's hard to really give a coach a lot of credit for a LeBron driven team, but he's not shooting them in the foot. And like, sometimes you just got to stay out of the way and he's doing that. Yep. Absolutely. One player I wanted to touch on with the Warriors is you had said probably a couple right before the playoffs with uh, like the Warriors need Wiggins and he's back, but they need him to be effective. He's been pretty bad this series and last game he had probably good multiple good looks for three missed it and now to me he's starting to get into that like Andrew Wiggins before he came to the Warriors where he doesn't look his I don't love his body language right now he doesn't look very confident there was a couple times I gave him the ball his hands weren't ready yeah he have no shot to win this series if he keeps playing the way he plays yeah for me I think you know I think you can Wiggins has such a wide range of outcomes. You can certainly push some of the blame on here, and I wouldn't necessarily say that you're wrong. Just for me, I just think that Wiggins is was perfect in the role that he was in as being, like, at best a tertiary option um, and a rebound and a hustle guy, and then he just kind of got rewarded for his ability to run the floor. And I think he does, I, to give him credit, I think the way he moves in the Warriors system and the way he's kind of picked up on their schemes, obviously he's been there a little while now, is impressive. Um, but I don't really expect him to knock down those shots. But a guy I expect to knock down the shots is Clay. Like, again, yep. like I kind of saw the demise of Poole coming, but Clay took some awful shots at the end of game four. And he's got a pretty green light. So, you know, for him to be able to take widely, you know, considered awful shots, they must be pretty terrible. And they were. And he just hasn't been the guy that, you know, I was kind of penciling in because he was one of the few sure things for them this season. Stephen Clay were as good as advertised during the regular season. Um, and he was a, a basically reinvented himself at, compared to where he was even during the postseason last year. That's why it was frustrating as you know Celtics fans that were watching this team beat us and Wiggins is the second best player on it. 
Uh, but it's interesting. I don't know what strings Golden State has to pull. To pull, I'm absolutely with you on thinking that they they should take care of business tonight. I'd be completely shocked if the Lakers suddenly decide to give 100, percent you know, several games in a row here and win three in a row against Golden State. I don't see that happening. Uh, but again, uh, like similar sentiment to the Celtics feeling, it, it's for them, it all hinges on game six and what they're able to do in LA uh, before bringing it back to home court for game seven. So um, with that, I think that brings us to the very last series that we have going on right here. Uh, Nuggets versus Suns, Denver's up 3-2 in this series. What have you been seeing from this one, RJ? It's been the Jokic show. And I think you, you sent in the notes, it's Jokic versus Booker and Durant. And what I'll say for Booker and Durant, I almost I feel like they're no matter what they're going to be on an island by themselves. Like it's, I think Jokic can at least have some comfortability that he's he's going to always have at least somewhat of help, most likely, whether it's Gordon Porter, especially Jamal Murray, where I don't see where that's going to where that third score any type of like being efficient on offense is going to come for Phoenix. Yeah, and I'll give him credit. Booker and Durant, especially Booker, have shot the lights out of the ball and have kept them in this series. Uh, yeah, I picked the Suns going into the series. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick with my guns and just play it out. But I don't feel great with uh, the way that Jokic has been playing. I just think it comes down to Jamal Murray, really. If he yeah. and he's had the reason I give the Suns still a chance to come back from three two is just because Murray's had a couple stinkers. And I know last night he might have finished with like 19, but a lot of those points were in garbage time. He had two points at half. So if Phoenix takes care of business tonight, or no, sorry, tomorrow night, and you get to game seven where anything can happen, and Murray goes cold and they don't, and Michael Porter's not hitting the shots he was hitting last night, Denver could be in trouble. And then if Booker starts hitting the shots he was a couple of games ago, Phoenix could come out on top. It's a really close series. Kind of just sticking with my guns here, but... Denver's probably obviously probably the safer choice, especially up three, two. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, last time I, I think my last podcast, it was right after the CP three injury. So I talked about it a little bit and you know, I felt good about the nuggets going into it. I thought it was going to be a seven game series, but I certainly picked Denver. Uh, but I felt like the loss of Chris Paul was going to be a lot more significant uh, than what it has been. Cause obviously they lost Chris Paul and then were able to rattle off two in a row back in Phoenix um, but the thing is, it's like, I don't even, you know, people, there's a lot of Chris Paul haters out there. Maybe it's the way he's played and, and how long he's been around to just garner a lot of hate, uh, over his, you know, almost 20 year career at this point. But, um, I, I don't know if it's even, I, I, I don't think they're necessarily a better team without CP3 by any means, especially with how thin that they are. But when Booker and Durant play as good as they did and mainly Booker, <laughs> like they just, Booker hasn't missed in three games. I wish I had done a better job of preparing the stats but I think at one point they had mentioned, and it wasn't last game, it was the game before, so during game four, the announcers had mentioned that Booker was 35 of his last 42 shots, and then he went on to make another three shots in a row, so he was 38 of, of 45 at one point, like, and he's taking mid-range pull-ups, three-point shots, move, like, motion shots, isolation step-backs, like, his bag is deep, he's taking difficult shots, and he's lights out even last night he was lights out now and Durant's been good don't get me wrong I think that there's still another level he can get to um he certainly played better in those two wins in Phoenix than he had the first two games of the series but 
Uh, I just can't. I'm really confident that Denver's going to find a way to win. Um, you know, one of these next two games here, I'd be really shocked if they don't. Um, because it's going to take, you know, like what Booker is doing is so good. It's it's like I know he sustained it longer than anyone would think. It, it literally is not sustainable anymore. And Jokic just seems like the safest bet in basketball. Like, I think the best game of the entire playoffs that we've seen so far, especially from a neutral fan perspective. And again, I am a neutral fan of these teams. I think we were texting during it, but that was game four where uh, Booker and Durant, I think they combined for like 86 points or something like that. And Jokic finished with 53. Like for him to get to, like, he's not even like a score first player. And I'm not just saying that to suck the guy off here. Like he genuinely is a playmaker first. He's a, he does everything too. He, he's yeah. a beast, whether it's, I mean, he's, a, he's, he's so good where I hate to keep bringing up betting where his, the recorded triple double is almost even money, which is crazy. <laughs> and yeah. he's scoring through contact. He's getting to the line. It would be incredible. If, if there's a team that doesn't end up, if the Celtics don't end up coming through, I would be pulling for Denver to go win the whole thing with Jokic. I think that'd be a really cool story. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we got to you know got to handle business first with Phoenix, and then see who's there in the West. Yeah. But I'm right there with you. I think that I I don't know. I I heard as of yesterday the Lakers were actually title favorites. Maybe that's just because they had the most convincing uh, odds. I don't know if you have an update on that to, to see. I for I thought here, I saw like... the Sixers. I thought the Sixers were favorites. That's what I saw after they beat the Celtics last well, night. Well, that's. That's kind of my point is that it Vegas has no idea what the hell is going on. I think like trying to remove my bias at this moment in time, I feel like Denver has to be the favorite because they've just been the most impressive and most consistent team throughout the playoffs. And you could make the argument that if they get through Phoenix, either the Lakers or the Warriors are a less talented team than Phoenix. So we'll see, man. I think Denver continues to take care of business, but um, I think we've kind of already hinted on this, but who are your picks, man? The kind of zooming out, looking at the playoffs at this moment in time. Again, it's May tenth. Who's winning the East and who's coming out of the West, in your opinion? Gun to your head, who are you picking? So whoever's coming out of this matchup with the Celtics and the Sixers. So I'm going Celtics. I still think the Celtics get there. And Cino, you know, I think Phoenix is going to pull this out. Like I said, not very confident in it. I think we're going to see a vintage Celtics Lakers championship. I think the Lakers are going to take care of Phoenix if they meet them. It's a different story if Denver, if it's Denver, I think I would do Celtics Nuggets. But yeah, I think we could see Celtics Lakers in the championship potentially, but Celtics got a long way to go. Yeah, I think on paper in theory, the Lakers would do the best job of defending Jokic just with the amount of size that they have and the versatility that they can throw it in like with Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um I just think that they're most well equipped. Do I trust them to get it done? Oh, it's another I don't story. Think so I, I'm just thinking about if it ends up being Celtics Lakers, like how not mentally ready I am because like all the confidence that I had about our team has just been slow. Like it's just been a steep training decline um, ever since whatever the first Atlanta win was. And maybe I'm just too close to the situation. And I can't remove my bias, but like I would just hate to run into a Lakers team that we were just praising how well they're pulling the strings. And they're actually one of the only other teams along with our Celtics that can hang from a depth perspective. Like I think they have enough bodies where our depth isn't going to be felt in the same way uh, as it would against a team that it should be felt at like a team like Miami or a team like Philly, like we're experiencing now. So that would be insane. I'm obviously I'm very, you're getting a very motivated LeBron. Not that he's not always 
motivated, but I mean, he, he's got a sense that the window's closing. He doesn't know how many more cracks he's going to get at a championship. And if he can get to the West Finals in the finals, uh, I mean, I would love to see the Celtics play LeBron in the finals. That'd be great. Great watch. It, it would be insane. I would I would certainly enjoy that as a fan. I don't even know how these podcast episodes would come out. It would probably just me just I would remove all analysis and just be begging my team to find a way to, to pull it out. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if LeBron even has that. I, I'm sure he does. I don't know how you, you know, people always talk about how he's conserving energy and how he saves himself for the right spots. But I do think that the foot injury is is still there you i think he's just i just haven't been impressed with what i've seen from him maybe it's just a lack of the three-point jumper i know i talked about that last podcast you know he's still really good he's still the most consistent player on that team um and he can still be the best player on that team in spots but uh it'll be interesting to see if he does advance past this series and make it through the western conference finals if he does have a little like if he sit if he's really does believe that this team can make it and saves himself for an extra level in the finals that'd be pretty fascinating but i'm definitely keeping my picks as is, is, even though it's rocky for my Celtics right now, I'll still take them in Denver, and I think that'll be a fun finals. But, I mean, that'd be pretty scary running into Jokic there as well. But real quick, just to take a look at, you know, I, I said goodbye to some of the, the losers of round one in my last episode. You know, in this round two series here, you know, what, what team do you think will be facing the most panic if they end up getting eliminated here in round two? What team is going to be would overreact to an elimination the most, in your opinion. So this is going to be kind of crazy to say, despite the last 24 hours, but I think if the Sixers blow this, Doc Rivers' head could be on the chopping block. He's a notorious choker. That's the really the only team I could think of that really would panic. If you want to say Golden State, maybe because they think they're not going to have the cavalry to support Curry, but I don't know what they're really going to do to go get help, where I think the Sixers could be like, we have our team. Sure, we probably need a better supporting cast around some better role players around uh, Harden and Embiid. But, yeah, I could see them – I could see the Sixers fans turning on Rivers in a heartbeat come whatever whatever is beginning of next week if they lose this series and he's gone. Yeah. I had the same exact – I know I didn't share this. But I had the same exact thing written down with Philly um, just because I know I actually was reading up on Doc Rivers' playoff losses before this to try to make myself feel better. He's lost – he's blown like two – three one leads i think which is insane to think about and then a, several other three two leads as, as well so um you know fr- you know i think the experience would be there and they i mean just as much as as we're sitting here as celtics fans saying it's wide open philly is saying the same thing like we don't have to go through Giannis. like you know so I, I think you're absolutely right with that i think you know the warriors again were the other team that i had written down here um and i don't think that they should mix it up too much i just think that they'd be dumb and i don't think that they will either um with their core because i still like curry's aging so well i've said this before i'll say it again he's the best he's ever been right now and obviously clay you can't say the same for clay and draymond but the formula is there they've just they tried to have their cake and eat it too and instead of going through you know the traditional you know highs and lows that you would go through in the traditional transactions you would go to with a, a star player in his prime they tried to just build through the draft, which I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think it, it's safe to say that that really hasn't worked out with them. The Wiseman pick was a flop. You know, the Kaminga pick, he's had moments and he's certainly shown flashes, but he can't get on the court in this series where they might need another athlete to throw out there. You know, Moody's been at least usable. He's been better than Jordan Poole. That's really all I can say about him. So I think that they would be pretty dumb to completely blow it up. I think they should do everything in their power to, to bring Draymond back. Um, and they try to 
reconcile some things at a pool in the offseason and just move their younger pieces to get some more traditional veterans and move any remaining draft picks that they have. Because it's it, I don't think it's been an injustice to Steph yet, but if they blow it up or and try to remove a Draymond or they keep going down this route of trying to build through the draft after this team fails, I think that would be doing a disservice to Steph because he every team with Steph on it is going to have a chance to contend, and I, I genuinely believe that. So... Um, with that, wanted to kick it over to a little gimmick that we have going on here that I'm excited for. Um, I'd asked you before this, if, if we were to do a draft and for this point in time, I know some teams are on the brink as we speak, uh, but you know, with the eight remaining playoff teams, if we were to do a draft of the players in it, who would you pick? Um, so we will go, we'll go a little snake draft. I'll give my guy RJ the first overall pick. Uh, again, this is just for this season. He's going to try to build a starting five. Um, and I'll try to build a starting five, and we'll let the audience decide who has the better pick. So, uh, RJ, you ready to go? You got the pick in mind? Pick yeah, up. you really put me on the spot making me go one. I was going to hope <laughs> uh, I could go two and get the snake back and forth. You're the guest. You're the guest. I have well, to it's your it show. To... It's your show. You go first. No, I'll <laughs> go. Really, you... uh, All right. I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. Uh, Jokic. All right. Yeah, I think I think that's the pick. I think I think that's where I was going to go, too. Um, you know, despite every, every good thing we were saying about you know, some other guys like Booker shooting the ball really well. I think Jokic was the obvious pick. After that, I think you can debate a lot of other guys. Uh, I'm going to trust my gut and pick a guy I was just talking about, and I'll pick Steph. I like the pick. I was hoping you were – he was going to be one of my picks if I went, uh, okay. went second. So you again. Oh, no, no, no. We'll go alternate. We don't need to do Steph. Oh, we're For two people, oh okay. Yeah, we're not, we'll okay. kick it back and forth. I respect it, though. I respect it. Yeah, I, I, I like your – integrity for trying to offer me two picks in a row. Yeah, I'll just kick it back over to you for the second pick. Hmm. I'll go I'll go LeBron. All right. A little bit higher than I would have. Yeah, I, I, but I'm going to go for a wing it. player here. I like he's like I said he's playing motivated right now. Could be his last run at it. Okay. All right. I like that. Veteran experience, championship pedigree. I'm going to go with the, the new hotness and somebody that's just been absolutely on fire lately, and I'm going to take Devin Booker. I'm going to go James Harden. Really? Yep. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure, Okay. Can you – so I, I need you to elaborate on this pick a little bit because I, I wasn't ready for this. Now, again, Harden torched our Celtics – Three out of the five games. Well, he torched us two out of the five games. He played really well three out of the five. But the other two, he looked like a guy you might find in my men's league. So can you just elaborate? Like, is it just, is it a positional need? Is it just a, tr like, what positional. is it Positional. I need a ball handler. I need a ball okay. handler. And I, I know if like I can was. get these, if I can get him at his best with Jokic and LeBron, we're winning the okay. entire thing. All right. I'm All picking right, these I guys respect. at their ceiling. I'm expecting them the best from them on my You're team. You're expecting game one Harden every game. That's yep. a, that's a, certainly a strategy. Um, I'm gonna. I'm glad this guy's still on the board. I was worried you might take him here. I'm gonna go Jimmy. I'll take Jimmy Butler. Even oh, that was, that's a good pick. I on a shaky forgot angle. About, people people forgot in the about comments Butler. might be. Yeah, I had Jimmy pretty high on the list, but I wanted to secure my my backcourt first. So I'll kick things back over to you. <sighs> I'll go. Oh God, this is. Just, I'm just gonna contradict myself picking him. I'll go Tatum. I guess. So he would. Yeah. All right. I like that. I think that's a good pick. I think that's a good pick. Um, I know you didn't take. You would have taken this guy earlier, but I just kind of had to roll the dice 
that you were going to not double up based on the position thing. So there's no business for me to get Embiid with the eighth overall pick, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. I just yeah, he is, he just came to my head, but I'm not going to take him and Jokic. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, I took Embiid here. So this is your last pick. There's some interesting players on the board. Uh, somebody I certainly have highlighted, but I want to see who you go with with your last pick here. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of who. I already got a couple bigs. God, I don't even know if he'd work in. I'll go Durant. All right, that's a good pick. I think that at least you made too many. My last it's pick. you know wings run the NBA because I got three wing players. We'll be all right though. Yeah, I like that. I think that's who I ultimately would have ended up picking here, but I, with my last pick, at least you made it easy for. I'll take Anthony Davis. Now I have a lot of a lot of couple bigs with Embiid and AD, but I think hey Embiid or I know Anthony Davis a couple years ago was very adamant about not wanting to play the five, and he's proceeded to play the five every single time he's on the floor yeah. ever since. Uh, but I do feel pretty good about that. So just to recap, all right, RJ's team was Jokic, LeBron. Harden, Tatum, and Durant. And my team was Steph, Booker, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, and Anthony Davis. So let let me know, all right, people? I'll, I'll probably post this. Maybe this will be our little clip of the week um, and have people decide. But, again, this is just yeah. as playoffs the rest of the way. RJ, how are you feeling about your team? When I read that roster to you back, what, what were you Here, feeling? Hearing your team on paper with the Curry and the Butler and the Embiid uh, strikes a little fear into me. Uh this has been this is my first my first time around on a draft uh, drafting NBA players like this. Uh, we'll get it better in draft too. <laughs> yeah, basically with the white flag. Oh no, I mean you have Jokic, man. You have Jokic. There's it's really hard to to pick a bad team. The only pick I didn't quite get was Harden, but I get it. I kind of fucked you by doubling up on the. On do, the do you think there's any guys we handlers? missed that should be technically like in the top? Like who do you think are fringe guys that like you talk like Brown Brunson? Is there anybody yeah. I'm forgetting? I had Jalen Brown written down, uh, but I it was going to take an interesting build for me to kind of get to him here. Um, I think I would have gone Brunson over Harden, and maybe that's crazy, but I just like the consistency I get out of Jalen Brunson a little bit better, but I think he's there. I think if you wanted to get cheeky, you could say Draymond, just kind of what he means for a, a team. Um, and honestly, he could have been a good option alongside Embiid in my fifth spot there, just because he obviously is that fu guy he's the he's the energy guy he's the rodman of the squad um so i think he's there and then i had bam too um if you wanted somebody like that but um i think i don't think we missed anybody else i say that and now i'm second guessing myself but um yeah i think that's basically everybody so i feel pretty good about about that little draft right there but um i think that's almost everything we have except we did get some pretty pretty notable news and wanted to get your thoughts on this because as i mentioned last podcast i wasn't uh, privy to exactly when they were announcing the NBA teams, but I did find out today uh, that they announced the first, second, and third All-NBA teams. So real quick, I'm going to read through those rosters for you. Uh, I'm just going to read through all three, and we can just kind of discuss as a whole at the end. Uh, but so first team, let's start off with the guards. The guards were Luca and Shea uh, from the Thunder. And then uh, at the forward spot, you had Giannis and Jason Tatum. In the center spot in the first team, you had Joel Embiid. So again, first team, Luka, Shea, Giannis, Tatum, Embiid. Second team in the guard spot, you had Steph Curry and Donovan Mitchell. Forwards, you had Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown. Center spot, you have Jokic. Uh, again, second team, Steph, Mitchell, Jimmy, 
Jalen, and Jokic. And then finally, the third team, you have Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, Julius Randle, LeBron James, and Sabonis. Uh, again, Lillard, Fox, Randle, LeBron, and Sabonis. So when I read that, all those lists to you, uh, what jumps out to you the most? So I think when you went over your, yeah, your all NBA teams, did you have Davis in there over LeBron? So I wanted to. Now, again, if this, we should remind everyone too that, again, the reason why I read the positions is because this is going to be the last year where it is the positions come into play. When we're picking these all NBA teams, there needs to be two guards, two forwards, and a center. I feel like Anthony Davis has been the better Laker all year. I feel like he's been, you know, the better Laker for the most part in the playoffs. But because he played the center spot most of the year, from what I could tell, I put LeBron on my third team, and I did not put Anthony Davis because I I felt like at the center position, Anthony Davis, he obviously didn't have a better season than Jokic or Embiid, and I didn't think he had a better season than Sabonis either. But I think a couple people did try to sneak him in and vote for him at the forward spot, though. So I saw Mitchell was complaining on Twitter that he got second team. Obviously got bumped because of SGA. Uh, I don't know where I would go there. I like I get that OKC had an okay year. I like guys that have played meaningful basketball all season, like Mitchell. That's why I would take – honestly, I'd put Brunson in over uh, Lillard. Meaningful okay. basketball all season. Lillard didn't Fair. really play any games that meant anything all season. Yep. I know we had monster numbers, but you're going to put up those numbers and you're playing on a trash team. Yep. I thought Brunson – I just think Brunson had a better season than Lillard because then you talk about you got to factor in wins, what the team did. And maybe they don't factor that in, but at least in my personal opinion, I would go Brunson over Lillard. That's the only one that like really jumps out to me. And then I think we talked about Butler earlier too, which just like – I don't know. Just felt like he and the Heat had a down, down year. Didn't really expect him to get thrown in there. He's had a great postseason, but didn't <laughs> yeah. exactly see him coming into the all-NBA teams. Yeah, I think that's a good thought on on Shea and Mitchell. Um, you know, just to kind of quickly compare to my picks, just to remind everybody here, the only real, you know, I, I think I had it mostly spot on. Uh, the only changes that I noticed from my NBA picks and the and the actual NBA teams is that I had Steph on first team and and he ended up on second team. Uh, so basically, I had swapped Shea and Steph on the first and second team. That was kind of a big change there. And then the only other spot that I saw um, was I actually had Laurie Markkinen instead of Jimmy Butler, which just sounds absolutely ridiculous when you think about the postseason and, and how much we've had to talk about Jimmy um, because of how amazing he's been the past couple weeks. But, I mean, I kind of stand by that. To be honest with you, I did think Jimmy played in a little bit less games than what he ended up with. I think he ended up with 64 games, which, just to remind everybody, he wouldn't even be eligible um, if it was next year because next year you have to play in at least 65 games and it is going to be a positionless system. Um, so I feel pretty, you know, I still feel like Laurie Markkinen deserved it. I know he played in more games than Jimmy. Um, you know, looking back, I probably should have put Jimmy on my third team over Julius Randle, but, you know, he ended up getting slotted in at the third team. So I was pretty much spot on. So needless to say, I don't really have any big problems with it. I mean, certainly the biggest name that was snubbed from any of these teams, and I know the guard position was tough, but it was John Morant, right? I mean, he ended up on, you know, what, Memphis was the second seed in the West. You know, he had really good stats basically on par with what we had seen the previous season, um, you know, in which he won most improved, and he was an all-NBA team selection. Uh, and he did end up finishing around 61 games, I want to say. Uh, did you feel like he was a snub, RJ? I think it depends if you take into account, obviously, the games missed and everything that happened off the court. I'm not a voter. I don't know what they take into account. 
and like I said with uh, Brunson over Lillard, Brunson's played quality competitive basketball, meaningful basketball. So is Morant. So I could easily see making an argument for Morant over Lillard. I honestly probably would with that too. I don't know who I'd take between Morant and Brunson. I just don't like these big name superstars. And I know Lillard had a good season. I just kind of like by default sometimes get thrown in there just because of the name. So yeah, to take you on between Brunson and uh, Morant, but I probably would put them in there over Lillard. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Dame was probably the one I had the most second guesses about, but I ultimately had him on my third team and just felt like, honestly, Dame, you know, just watching him play and you look at the stats, he basically had the best season of his career. I think that roster really stinks. I think they've done a horrible job time and time again at putting pieces around him to make that team more competitive. And ultimately, I think Dame finished right around like 60 60 games as well, maybe a little under that, Um, which again, he wouldn't even be eligible next year, but... I ultimately gave it to him because I know, and maybe this shouldn't be taken into account, but that's that's kind of why they changed the rule, right? They made it a 65-game minimum so voters wouldn't have to be like, oh, well, how much do I value the amount of games played? Um, but I felt like because the team basically shut him down because they were unapologetically tanking toward the end of the season, that that wasn't Dame's decision. I'm sure he's a guy that he, he's super competitive. He wants to play. I just felt like that shouldn't be held against him with just I, – I ultimately – ended up not valuing the number of games. I put Steph on my first team because I felt like he was a, a, obviously a top two guard in the NBA, uh, very clearly the best best he's ever been. And I ended up putting Dame on third team because I felt like he was deserving of that. But I did find it funny that Ja missed it. Uh, obviously, I'm not a Ja guy. But, you know, he essentially would have been eligible for a Supermax extension. I'm not 100% sure if he has an opportunity to get that next year if he makes an all nba team i'm not entirely sure Yeah, so i wonder how does that work with brown so like do they have to give him the contract extension this off season or is he eligible for the supermax next summer too yeah or or does when a guy like if a guy hits free agency if he's unrestricted can you not give him the supermax anymore i don't know yeah that's it that's a good thought i mean uh, i think there is a, a decently large window um to offer somebody the, the Supermax afterward. I think it's like a, you know, I think you have within two years, I want to say. I, mean, I think it also obviously depends on, you know, when their contract is up. Now, in the case of Jalen Brown, his contract isn't up until the end of next season. That being said, we're going to want to avoid all drama as, as possible, especially, God forbid, we end up getting bounced to the Sixers and the season goes yeah. down as a disappointment. We're going to want to lock up Jalen either way. So yeah, I we don't need that, that narrative carrying into next no, year, too, we need looming to, over everything. We need to offer him that money tonight. Like, like literally, like someone, agree. someone needs to already be in his ear. Like, hey, man, congrats! Like, you're getting paid. Like, maybe not. But this in is case interesting gets... going forward because, I mean, we've never like the the money's crazy now in the NBA. Is Wick is ownership comfortable going into the luxury tax with some, tax with some of these guys? Yeah, you say you care about winning. You got to put your money where your mouth is. Look what Golden State has done. They don't care about going into the luxury tax. Yeah, and if you want to be competitive, basketball team. Year in, year out, like the Warriors, you're going to have to fork up some money. Especially with last year's title team for the Warriors. Like, that team doesn't happen unless, like, every piece was so valuable that they had and they needed an owner that could not give uh, given a single shit about how much money they were paying. Like, that you can't afford a guy like an extra Wiggins, like a guy that you didn't even draft to come in your building and go over the salary cap to pay his exorbitant number. Because that's part of the reason he was so cheap is that, Minneapolis basically asked the guy if he was going to work hard and he said yes and then they gave him a contract extension and then immediately he he stunk and and people didn't want him in Minneapolis anymore uh but that being said um I think I think that's a good point I mean the Celtics need to do it if if they don't I I will literally 
Yeah, I'm not. I'll I'll say I'll question my fandom of the team if we don't offer Jalen the supermax, but I, I really won't. I'll be a team uh, a fan of this stupid team until the day that I die. Uh, that being said, they would be doing an incredible disservice if they don't offer him that money as soon as possible. If they don't offer him one day at the end of this season, uh, assuming there isn't some catastrophic injury that takes place, I'm gonna knock on wood right now so everybody hears that. So it's not like I'm jinxing our our best or second best player here. Uh, but yeah, I think it. I think it is interesting. I think that's a good point. I I think they'll they shouldn't have any problem going in the supermax to you know giving him the supermax and going in and paying their guys. I don't know. Maybe you're more uh, bearish on on how ownership is going to handle that. I don't know. Do you have any inkling? Do you have a suggestion and feeling that they aren't going to be able to to be as as you know money happy and, and spending happy as they need to be? Do you feel like that heading into into this decision and contract year? The only thing I could think of is the Stevens situation where they had him under contract and probably just didn't want to be paying him for no reason. That's it. I mean, there's nothing else, but haven't been in this situation before. I would just assume that they're going to give him the supermax. I'm not really that concerned about that. Yeah. You need to keep your you need to keep Tatum happy too, so you could be potentially losing two guys by not giving Brown the contract. So you don't play games. You give it to him come June, whatever, whenever they can give these contract extensions out and be done with it. And we can stop with this narrative that they're going to yeah. trade him or he's going to walk because he doesn't like the city. Let's just stop this summer and we don't have to go into that next season with that narrative looming yeah, around anymore. I, I'm happy about it. It looks like Jalen Brown was pretty convincingly, um, you know, got second team there. I had him at second team. I felt like he was a really easy choice. I know a lot of people put him on third team as well, which I kind of felt weird. I felt like he was an obvious fit for second team with how good the Celtics were and no, it really is a 1A, 1B situation uh, in Boston. We know it's not a number one and a number two. It's a 1A, 1B for what it's worth. Like Jalen really is uh, on Tatum's level. I just think Tatum's a little bit more consistent. So I'm happy to see him make this team. And hopefully we can, uh, like you said, put the, the Jalen you know, contract narrative uh, to bed. But I think with that, RJ, I think we can sign off here. I think we can get on to... Uh, we, we, you know, we thankfully missed Nick's heat. I'm kidding. I will end up watching that game back at least a little bit here. So I'm informed of what's going on, but, uh, we do have golden state and Lakers starting pretty soon here. That should be a really entertaining game. Uh, any last thoughts for the viewers before I let you go? No, I was just curious if, uh, cause I, I don't know about you, but as these days go on, goes on and we're getting closer to the end here of the NBA, I am absolutely dreading the dog days of summer where there is nothing on for sports and we don't have anything until football in September. So I was wondering if there's, cause for me, it's like every, I'm watching both games. So there's no time for me to like watch any TV shows or movies. Are there any shows or movies that you are interested in watching when uh, you're done? Like when the NBA season's pretty much over, even in the finals, when there's these off nights, is there yeah. anything you're looking to watch? That's a fantastic question. And I'm, I'm actually very excited about this because the only time of the entire year that I, I watch like an actual TV show is in the summer. Uh, I think last summer I basically started Sopranos and finished that up in the fall, uh, which was an incredible, oh, great, watch. great decision to watch that. I've told every, I'm like, what are you doing? Just watch it. Like yeah, it's you have my to opinion right up there is one of the best shows I've ever watched. Without a yeah, doubt. I think, yeah. I think that has to be my favorite, especially for that genre. If you're looking for a drama, I think that's up there in the wire or like 1A, 1B for me. Um, you know, obviously comedy is a different route, but I'm really excited. I got to watch Succession. I've, I've heard so many people talk about Succession. Yeah, I haven't um, watched it either. I, I just, I'm I've worried. HBO's got a lot of good stuff. Like, uh, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off there, but uh, like, I don't know if you're a fan of Danny McBride at all, but like The Righteous Gemstones is a hilarious dark comedy. Uh, Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals are all of his work on HBO the same. All great 
great shows to watch. They're not the episodes aren't too long. There's not a bunch of seasons. So like Vice Principals is two seasons. You could run through it. It's a great dark oh, yeah. comedy. Uh, but no, I really I've been there really isn't a lot for me out there to watch. Like you say succession, like I've met the point where I don't want to start a show that's already had like six seats. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my yeah. god, that's a long Has time. Had, I thought it only had to, four. No, no, I'm just using six. Oh, I just think a, Succession's only like three or four. But yeah. uh, like, like Sopranos, like that was a big commitment. You yeah, that's like <laughs> yeah, a hundred something episodes, probably more than that. Well, not probably hundred somethings about. Yeah. Right. Uh, but now the only thing for me is maybe I watch The Mandalorian. I watched the first two seasons. It's probably one of the only good products Disney's ever put out with Star Wars. So it's kind of gotten worse, but I'll still, you know, I'll still watch it. But that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a good point. I'm a I'm a Star Wars guy. I just haven't been it. Like now Disney's just like they're driving it into the ground. They've put out too many oh, different the, spin-offs for me to keep straight. The new movies are like keep... the worst worst thing I've ever watched. It makes me like I've whenever if I occasionally see a Star Wars movie on the TV, I try to just do everything in my power to block out the new trilogy and be like those movies don't even exist. And let's yeah, just enjoy yeah, what I have in front of me. Happen. Yeah, yeah, no, that's tough. You knew that's how it was going to go when it got bought by Disney, but Hey, with that, I'm excited. I am excited to get into some uh, some off-season TV watch. I'm excited for Secession. I will keep this podcast going, by the way. I am planning on doing that even in the dog days of summer. I'll have to get creative. We'll have to bring you back, RJ. We'll bring you back probably before that, but we'll definitely have you on in the off-season. We'll probably do some drafts. Uh, we'll get you some more reps in so we can do like maybe like a, a point guard draft. We'll do like ranking yep. the top point guards, ranking each position in the NBA. I'm going to try to also do a little bit of you know reaching out to some other media members in the NBA and uh, seeing if, if once their off-season schedule lightens up a little bit to get them on the pod and, and hopefully get some inside uh, scoops on some of these teams that we're watching closely in the playoffs once their seasons come to an end. So excited about that. But with that, we'll let everybody go. Enjoy uh, the rest of round two. Go Boston. Let's hope the Celtics find a way to pull this out. Uh, I will talk to you next week before I let you go. Be sure to follow at Words with Wallace on everything. Uh, like my man RJ said last time he was on, be sure to rate and review. That helps. Uh, you know, download the episodes, you know, give me those stars. Uh, and I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.